you know, I was just sitting there and I was thinking about um, this idea of choosing wisely. I was uh, at this water park with Crystal and the kids uh, this past week. And at this water park, it's like the, the higher the slides, the better. And so I couldn't be, believe my, my kids wanted to go up these high slides and come down these slides. Uh, I just wasn't feeling it. I'm not sure if it was because of my stomach issues I was having that day, but I didn't feel like I wanted to do something else. But anyway, one little girl was like, Daddy, come on, I want to go down the rainbow slide, which is the highest one and the scariest one. I'm like, you want to go on that one? And uh, we did, and as soon as we turned the bend, you know, they start you off really slowly, turn the bend, and then drop all the way down. I'm like, oh, oh help me, Lord. <laughs> Praying all the way, and then it takes you all the way back up and swoops you back in. And so, I, you know, wise choices. You got to make wise choices, you know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure, Lord. I don't know. But uh, we got through that. You know, and, and even another thing in terms of thinking about this idea of wisdom and choosing wisely, uh, we do have some athletes in the house. Uh, but the game that stumps, stumps us all really is would you rather, you know. Our, we can sit around for days playing this game. Would you rather eat mac and cheese or salad? Would you rather have ice cream for dinner or spaghetti? Uh, would you rather sweep the floor or uh, clean the table? Would, 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 what would you rather? As we've been watching even the Olympics, you know, each athlete had to make these opposing choices, right, in their lives. They had to choose whether or not, you know, to go to bed or to stay up and socialize. They had to choose whether or not to get up or sleep in. And we know if you're at the top of your game and you're at the Olympics, we know what they have already chosen, right? The long days, long nights, uh, waking up early, the training, uh, in order to win the prize, right? To, to order, in order to get a medal, or just in order to compete on the highest level. They've had to make some choices, some wise choices, to get them there. And some, are pay, some, some of them are playing through pain, and others didn't make it because of the choices that they did make in light of their pain. I think about Shakari Richardson some weeks back. You know, she was in pain, emotional panic, and she made a choice to medicate herself through marijuana, and that, and that landed her at a place of not being able to be at the Olympic Games. It's so hard to choose wisely, uh, especially in moments of grief and pain. As we come back to the letter of James, we have to, we have to be faced, we are faced with choices that he, he's been giving us. Throughout the book of James, uh, he's been handing out the choice of, you know, will it be self-centered religion or a religion that is pure and faultless? Will we treat the poor believers with respect or not? Uh, will we tame our tongues or will, we, or will it be a destructive flame? Which will you choose? James is helping us to see that we lack the moral fortitude in and of ourselves to choose the wisest way of life. If God did not intervene in our lives, we would give our children a serpent instead of a fish and a scorpion instead of an egg. That's a reference to Luke uh, 11, to, uh, verse 11 and 12. If God did not instruct us, we would not ask him for wisdom by faith. Instead, we would attempt to do 
all that we can do in our own strength. If he is not merciful, we would live to please others based on mere outward appearances. We need help from the only wise God. In verse 13, James invites his readers to consider this rhetorical question. Who is wise and understanding among you? This is the beginning of his critique of envy, jealousy, and selfishness in the community. As one scholar notes, James asks people who think that they have special understanding and insight in spiritual matters, in effect, to step forward so that they can be analyzed, so that he can analyze the legitimacy of their claim. Wisdom is not divisive and is not contained by one person over the other. We can be wise in our own eyes, but that still doesn't get us to the goal of godliness. Wisdom belongs to God. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God chooses to share wisdom with whom he pleases. God's incommunicable attributes are reserved for him alone. These are the ones that he does not share. He cannot share with his creatures. Wisdom is a communicable attribute of God. He possesses wisdom and extends it to whom he pleases. As we learn through the Westminster Shorter Catechism number four, what is God? The answer is that God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, power, wisdom. Holiness, justice, and truth. God's wisdom is infinite, eternal, unchangeable. The wisdom that he shares with man is infinite, temporal, and changeable. Late theologian J.R. Packer asked of wisdom, what does the Bible mean when it calls God wise? In scripture, wisdom is a moral as well as and intellectual quality, more than mere intelligence or knowledge, just as it is more than mere cleverness or cunning, for us to be truly wise, in the Bible sense, our intelligence and cleverness must be harnessed to the right end. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Where will we receive the power to see? Who will give us the inclination to choose the best and highest goal? Who will provide the surest means of attaining it? Proverbs 1.7 states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Reverence and belief in the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Those that do not believe and choose not to put their trust in their only wise God despise wisdom and instruction. For wisdom is the arts and the skill of godly living. Is given by God so that man can be like God in his choosing. That he can be like God in his goals for life. But not everyone wants to be like God in their wisdom. 
as James addresses through this passage, there are two contrasting points of wisdom here operating in the world. And each have their different place of origin. There are two ways of life, two types of wise living. Let's look at the two points, false wisdom and true wisdom. What's the essence of this false wisdom? James says here in, in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Harboring bitter jealousy and selfish ambition or just selfishness in your heart is effect living a lie. Claiming to be wise by conducting oneself in a way that denies that claim. Bitter jealousy and selfishness are contrary to the humility that marks a wise person. Therefore, these negative qualities exclude a person from being considered wise. Scholars have indeed noted that the word translated here for jealousy or envy in some translations is an important theological significant word, zealous. It has two basic senses, a neutral or even positive sense, zeal, jealousy, and a negative sense, envy. The former meaning is seen in, in those many texts that describe God as a jealous God, demanding that his people serve him alone, renouncing allegiance to any other God or idol. Jealousy is revert, uh, reserved for God alone. Theologian Dan Doriani points out that the envious think their identity and worth derive from their status of possessions. As long as someone else has what they think they deserve, they are miserable. They burn with jealousy. Zealous, the word for jealousy in the text can also take the negative sense, referring to the self-orienting desire to possess things that are not really ours. Anybody been jealous of somebody else and what they have? Have you burned inside and thinking that they don't deserve it? I deserve it. Or you burned inside in the thought of, I don't, you know, why do they get all the good things? Why can't I have some good things? Like I tell my kids all the time, hey, look around you at what you have first. Put your gaze on all that's around you. You have more than enough. But see, jealousy does not care. It does not care about all that you may have right before you. It always has the desire on the things of other. It burns within. So James warns people characterized by these negative traits. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. The best sense of this is gained from what God has told us through Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. When we choose to boast about how great we are in knowledge, intellectual abilities, and otherwise, we have to take note for we may be displaying jealousy and selfish ambition. This is to give the lie to the truth about what wisdom is and does. Wisdom must always be accompanied by one thing. 
And that's the humility of God. What's the character of this false wisdom? We see here in verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. This wisdom is from below. James goes on to note that this appearance of wisdom, this type of possession of wisdom is not biblical. This wisdom does not come from heaven. It's earthbound right here. The system of the world, the ways of the world that are opposed against the ways of God. Secondly, unspiritual. It has more to do with human feelings and reason as supreme other than the things of God, who is spirit. The following the description uh, pertains to what is demonic. This may be the, the nature of wisdom and its origins here, this false wisdom. Those evil forces in the world that want to control and, and rule and shipwreck our faith. This is for sure a contrast to the wisdom that is above. The wisdom from below is really one that has its, its ways in Satan. Has its ways in his schemes and his lies in his ways of short-sighting, even believers, not in the things above. So this false wisdom does not lead to good works and humility, verse 13. It is more characterized by the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is in direct opposition to wisdom that is heavenly in nature, spiritual in essence, and divine in origin. What are some of the fruit of this false wisdom? Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. James now reiterates the two character traits displayed in the loves of those who are claiming to be wise. He says the final result to such wisdom can only be disorder in every vile or evil practice. James uses here uh, this other form of the, the Greek word for disorder. We see it in verses uh, one, chapter 1, verse 8, and chapter 3, verse 8, to describe the double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, and the double-speaking tongue, restless evil. The same disorder is bound to break out in churches where people are pursuing their own selfish concerns, and partisan causes rather than the good of the body as a whole. If we pride ourselves of being wise and understanding, knowing how to do things over against another, envy and selfishness or selfish ambition has tremendous potential to bring damage to the unity that we can enjoy as a church. It can bring damage to the order to a church as a whole. The wrong kind of wisdom brings about just about any and every evil practice that anyone can name. It's so interesting, isn't it? That it's jealousy and selfish ambition that is evil and demonic. That is bitter, that it can bring a root in someone's heart. This is what happened to uh, Jacob's sons. There was a, a root of bitterness, and bitter jealousy in their heart. 
They all knew that Joseph was the favorite of, of, of uh, the father. He gave him a coat of many colors. And then Joseph went out to see his brothers one day. And there he comes, that dreamer. And they plotted and planned to kill him. And one of the brothers said, no, we shouldn't kill him. Let's just sell him off into slavery. And that's what they did. They couldn't stand the fact that their father loved Joseph more. Now, he, of course, the father should have had love for all of them. But he did love Joseph more. And that jealousy that the other brothers had set in, all of them conspired together to sell him into slavery. But while he was there in Egypt in slavery, God had a plan to teach him wisdom. God had a plan to hold on to Joseph and to give him gifts. Joseph, had, he learned the humility of God in that place. So much so so that when his brothers came and he revealed himself to his brothers, he did not choose to retaliate, to take their lives. He was the second most powerful man in the land. He could have, but he chose not to. That was humility acting in his heart. This was God having changed his heart that he may bring about the saving of the life of his brothers. Uh, This is what it says in Genesis 50. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring, bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them. And spoke kindly to them. You see, this is in opposition of the false wisdom. This is the very heart of God. Not to bring about evil, but doing good. Providing for you and your little ones. This is the comfort that God gives. The way of false wisdom can strike us all at times, though. We can indeed be jealous of the success of others. That's when we have been short-sighted in terms of what God is doing in our lives. One parent seems to have more challenges than the others. In the same household, it may feel like one parent has it easier than the other. And there's jealousy in the marriage. Or some of us may be working hard as we can and feel like, We can't get a break on our job. Why does that person seem to be getting the most promotion? Two times this year? What about me? We can become jealous of these things. And they're not to take the place of, you know, confidence in God and working hard and and, and being creative. But what's the goal? What's the end point? Who gets the glory? Who are we waiting on? Whose patience are we learning from? What can we do, though, when we find ourselves in this place of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? We can consider, am I in my wise mind? Am I in the the mind of God? Or am I, you know, trying to survive like I always have done? Or am I reacting like the little child in me? You know, the little child that just reacts, becomes emotional, uh, it just storms off or just gets mad and wants to hold on to it. 
Or the survivor man who is always scheming uh, how they can uh, get, get by and get over, how they can get as much as the next person. But God calls us to be in our wise mind and confess ways that we have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. We've looked at false wisdom, some of the essence of it, the character of it, and the fruit that it bores or bears. Now let's look at true wisdom. What is the essence of true wisdom that God gives us? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. Verse 13b. After James asked the questions in 13a, who is wise and understanding them? Among you, James assesses these people's claim to wisdom, not in theological terms, how much doctrine they know or how many Greek words they can parse, but in practical terms. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. True wisdom produces good work. True wisdom produces humility. And this is over and against the jealousy and selfish ambition. Good work that is yielded to God. Humility that waits upon God. What's the character trait of this true wisdom? Verse 17 here, James gives us the fruit of wisdom, as it were. But the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God is first pure, then peaceable. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. As stated by theologian Douglas Moo, for James quite clearly continues to operate with biblical understanding of wisdom as a basic God-given orientation that has profound practical effect on the way a person lives. Like true faith found in chapter 2, true wisdom is identified by the quality of life that produces. But James's description of the qualities produced by wisdom from heaven also resemble another New Testament text. Paul's delineation of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. To be sure, verbal resemblance between the two lists is minimal, but humility, peaceableness, and upright behavior are the focus in both texts. In a general sense, what Paul claims that the Spirit produces, James claims true wisdom produces. True wisdom is first pure. This reminds us of the holiness of God. Then indeed, the next three qualities here, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, these things, peace-loving, they're considerate, submissive, exact opposite of the envious, selfish, and ambitious person who is driven by demonic wisdom. So James frequently highlighted mercy as a key indicator, as we've seen, of the godly person. James provides his own definition of mercy, love for neighbor that shows itself in action. So it's not surprising then James couples mercy so closely with good fruit. Acts of mercy are those fruits that are genuine wisdom, like genuine faith, must produce. 
And the last two things, impartial and sincere, go together hand in hand. This is the true wisdom that is from above, not the wisdom that is from below. This is the wisdom that is virtuous, wisdom that comes from God. This is the wisdom that paints the picture of our Savior, who is gentle and lowly at heart. This is the character of Jesus. As Thomas Goodwin, a Puritan Thomas Goodwin put it, men are so apt to have contrary conceits of Christ. But he tells them his disposition there by preventing such hard thoughts of him to allure them unto him the more. We are apt to think that he, being so holy, is therefore or uh, therefore of a severe and sour disposition against sinners and not able to bear them. No, says he, I am meek. Gentleness is my nature and temper. Sometimes we may believe that Christ is against us because we have that root of jealousy. God must not like me. Sometimes we say to ourselves, sometimes that goes through our head, he must have his hand against me. Lord, why is this happening to me? We must remember in those times, he's gentle and lowly of heart. He's sincere. He's full of mercy. He has good fruit for us, full of these things. This is about Jesus. And this is what Faye had to learn. Faye and George met each other in choir at church. They hit it off, a young couple, and both were church going. And as time progressed, they decided to get married. And they kept going to church and being involved. After a while, Faye noticed, wait a minute, George doesn't seem to want to go to church any longer. What? She approached him, what's going on? Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, I just want to do other things. And this continued to happen for year after year after year. Faye would confront him about his faith. Do you truly believe? I believe, I believe, I believe. Do you truly believe? And after years, he had to come and confess the truth because his heart had grown so far away from God that he stopped going to church altogether and looking into the things of God. She had to hold on to the faith that the Lord had given her. She still believes that God can turn him around, but she, she didn't have the eyes to see where he really was in his faith. She didn't have the wisdom to see, but God saw. And God allowed them to marry anyway. But see, God has been teaching Faye how to have this gentle and lowly spirit, lowly of heart, so that she will not have this root of jealousy and selfish ambition herself. God gave her the wisdom to see him, to see that he is indeed peaceable, that he can bring the peace-loving reconciliation to her husband's heart, that he can save like God can save him, that God can have her hold on viciously so to the faith that he's given us, her, so that she can have the wisdom to know how to gently prod, gently sow the seeds of the gospel of grace into his life. The fruit of true wisdom, as James says, 
is a harvest of righteousness that is sown in peace by those who make peace. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the praise and glory of God. This fruit of righteousness cannot be produced by some human ingenuity. This fruit of righteousness, this harvest, this fruit of righteousness comes through belief in the God of love. Belief in the God of Abraham. As we learned in in James earlier, talks about Abraham. And Abraham believed and that was counted to him as righteousness. And the same is true for us. As we believe, it's counted to us in righteousness. And we will know the peace of God. Jesus is the Savior that loves and calms the storms of our lives. As we are there with him in the boat as the disciples are and he's laying on the cushion and the storm is raging. Jesus is able to say to the storm, peace be still. But really he's saying that to our hearts, right? Peace be still. I have you. I see you. My wisdom is working in you. Though it may feel like it's a long time, it's working day in and day out. I have not let go of you, but my wisdom is working in you to sow the seeds and the fruit of good works is working in you so that you will know the sincerity of God is working in you so that you will be like me, peace loving is working in you so that you, you can continue to move away from the false wisdom of the world. The survivor man that just wants to have his way is working in you the patience and the peace so that you can extend that comfort to others around you. My wisdom, Jesus says, is working in you. It has fruit and you can see it. And the crowning fruit of it is the peace that you have in your heart to let me have your heart and do what it, do what it, what I will with it. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. This is God's grace unto us. This is God's peace unto us. Let's live in the true wisdom of God because only he can help us live in it. Only he can help us to have the type of goal that points to Christ and that we see him and all his accomplishments as beautiful because wisdom is beautiful. And I'll leave you with this because wisdom teaches us the valuable lessons of life. This is from Proverbs 4, 5 through 9. God says, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forsake and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She would bestow on you a beautiful crown. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. You don't leave us out in the cold, but you come near. You teach us through a lifetime about how to be wise as you are wise. Lord, 
You are the gracious God. Work this in our lives, we pray. Amen.